New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm hosting Judith Valente, who is co-author with Travis Monk, Paul Quinnen, of the book of letters called How to Be a Monk and a Journalist. Reflect on living and dying, purpose and prayer, forgiveness and friendship. And I'm speaking with Judith at her home by Remote Connection. Welcome, Judith, to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you. Thank you. You know, your correspondence with Brother Paul encompasses so many questions that often arise in the course of our lives. And I'd love for you to give us a thumbnail look at how it all began and why you decided to make it available to us. Well, Brother Paul and I had been writing to each other for, uh, oh gosh, probably a decade. And there aren't very many people left in the world like Brother Paul. He has been a Trappist monk for 60 plus years, entered when he was 17. So that's 60 years in the contemplative life, 60 years of trying to figure out what really matters and seeking God. Um, So he had, I knew he had something to say. And I knew that what he was sharing with me in the letters, I would write to him about practical things, about knowing when to leave a job or um, some, you know, some difficulties I was having in personal relationships or some, some challenges I was having in my own life. And what he was writing back to me was so profound and useful that I just felt I needed to share it with other people. And that's when we began to think about possibly publishing our letters You know, I want to tell our listeners, I mean, you've divided the book into different subjects, such as, you know, friendship or prayer or all sorts of different subjects. And at the very end, it's so wonderful because you included a study guide that takes all these subjects that you covered and helps us to go through them in a way that we could actually share them with others. I can see it as great circle work if people are looking for subjects that one might cover each week or each month or whenever they meet in circle, they can use this study guide. You know, what I tried to do was pose questions to Brother Paul that was coming up in my own life. So, you know, thinking about how do I find my purpose in life? And, um, is my calling always going to be the same thing? For example, that that was sort of a question that I was dealing with. And so in the study guide, you will find questions like that. You will find questions about uh, how do we navigate the unexpected? Because part of this book was written in the middle of the pandemic. We didn't know there'd be a worldwide pandemic. When we started really writing a great deal to each other, writing with the, with the idea that someday these would be published, So I think that people will find handy questions in the study guide that are questions that they confront in their own lives. You mentioned one of the questions of what is the purpose of my life? 
And I remember in the book when Paul wrote back, he really framed that very differently. It wasn't about, should we look for our purpose? Uh, Do you recall what he wrote? Yeah, he said two things that really struck me on that topic. And one was that you shouldn't worry about your purpose because the purpose of life is life. It's to live your life, to just be. That was number one. And that was a huge revelation to an overachiever and workaholic like me who thinks, well, you have to earn your your way in life. You have to earn your keep on this earth. And he's like, no, no, that's not what it is. You know, the purpose of life is life, is to live your life, to be. And then the other was that our purpose or calling could change over time. And I had been at that point a journalist for many, many years. And I was thinking of leaving daily journalism to just go ahead and write books full time to write spirituality titles. And that also was very freeing. And I think people should keep that in mind. You know, just because you've been a doctor for 40 years, you know, doesn't mean you can't become a writer. You can't become an artist or something else that you feel called to do. And that was a very freeing moment for me. And worked out for you, too. It did. Even though it was scary to leave the security of a nine to five job, so to speak. Uh, Actually, probably being a journalist is more than nine to five. But uh, I recall in the book, as you visited the monastery, sometimes, I mean, it was a letter writing, but sometimes you would, as a guest, you would visit. And I recall that you said there were two things that Paul shared with you. Number one, as an adult, he had you climb a tree for the first time. How old were you when you first climbed a tree? 40-something, yeah. (laughs) So what was that like? Just describe the scene. He was like that. He was always challenging me to do something I've never done before. And one was to climb a tree. And this was a big mother of a tree. I mean, this was a a huge tree that he wanted me to climb. And he stood there and waited till I climbed it and got to the highest branch that you could possibly get um, without getting vertigo or something. And then he had me walk backwards so that I would see a familiar place with fresh eyes And then his other thing was to walk barefoot on the ground. And this, he said, was to reclaim the intelligence of your feet. (laughs) Our feet lose their intelligence when they're all sold up in our nice, neat shoes. And one of the things we did on our last visit together was to go outside. It was lightly raining, so the grass was wet, and we got barefoot, and we just danced in the rain and he he had this t-shirt and he kept twirling it over his head and then he would toss it to me and I would toss it back to him and we did this sort of impromptu ballet together and it was one of the most joyful moments of my life. So it sounds like he really has a childlike quality about him that he can abandon himself to the sophistication of being an adult so to speak. Yeah, and here's a man who can read Greek, he could read Hebrew, he could read Latin, he's quite the intellectual, and yet he does have that childlike wonder about him. And I think that's why Jesus said, you know, let the children come unto me, to remind ourselves that, you know, we need to safeguard that wonder. We need to cultivate that wonder that we've had as a child. 
And I think that's what he was helping me to do. I know that nature is very important to him and also probably to you. And that like Paul describes early on in the letters that he slept outside on his porch every night, even in the wintertime. I think that there's a moment when he wakes up and there's snow all over his sleeping bag. So describe what he was doing there. Oh, yeah. He sleeps outside on a porch that has an overhang and he sleeps in a sleeping bag. He puts the sleeping bag over his face if it's cold or it's snowing. But he says that he hasn't had a cold in 40 years because, <laughs> because he sleeps outside. And of course, he sees the stars. He sees the moon. He's always writing to me about what the moon looks like over the fields. And he wakes to the mockingbirds call. And it's a beautiful way to be in touch with creation and therefore to be in touch with God. For sure. I remember one time my late husband and I slept outside for a whole summer and it didn't rain in Northern California. And um, I remember it was really hard to sleep when there was a full moon because you don't realize how bright the moon, it's like a flashlight in your eyes. It illuminates everything. So to be there waking up to the deer munching on leaves, you know, next to the bed in the morning is quite something. Now he calls those moments free gifts, gifts mm. freely given. But here's the thing he says, you have to be there. Mm. You have to allow yourself the space and the time to be present for those moments. I know that he wrote about how even in the city, we can even go out and take a walk and you know, be aware of the trees or the bushes or whatever life. For me, it's like the crows in the parking lot that are constantly there. I was complaining to him after I had left my full-time daily journalism job that I was wasting so much time, that I had not gotten into a rhythm of work yet. What could I do about this? And he said, well, one way to stop worrying about wasting too much time is to go out and waste more of it. <laughs> but waste it intentionally. He said, go out and take a walk around the neighborhood. Listen to the birds. Look at what's popping up on people's lawns. And pretty soon, he said, you'll realize that you can do this. You can take these pauses and the world will not crumble beneath you. And I found that to be very true, that I could take these pauses. I could even take a nap in the afternoon if I needed it, badly enough. And the world didn't crumble. My work still got done. You know, that is a lesson that so few of us ever learn. I think you referenced at some point in one of our conversations that, you know, you don't work a nine to five job in journalism. It's more like a 24-7 job. And, you know, we just don't take those pauses in our lives or we don't take our vacations. Americans are notorious for not taking their full measure of vacation because we think the world's going to crumble if we're not there. And that's just not true. We can relax and have enjoyment and still get our work done. And that was his point. I love that. I just want to thank you so much, Judith, for giving us a flavor 
of this piece of work that you and Paul have collaborated on as you share the letters back and forth that speak so deeply about these issues that are touching all of our lives so deeply. So I just encourage people to pick up the book and take a read. I think you'll be riveted. So thank you so much for being with us today on the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you. I've been speaking with Judith Valente, and she's a co-author with Trappist Monk brother Paul Quinnan of the Book of Letters, How to Be a Monk and Journalist Reflect on Living and Dying, Purpose and Prayer, Forgiveness and Friendship. And if you want to find out more about her work, you can go to her website, judithvalente.com, and that's spelled V-A-L-E-N-T-E, judithvalente.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org, where you'll find over 1,700 programs. I'm Justine Willis-Toms, and I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.